0: Rummel,
1: Present. Revere, Here. Wood, Here. Soglin. Here. We have a quorum. We will come to order. At this time, we will do what normally uh, follow our procedure. We will identify the uh, items that uh, for which we will have separation. And with that, uh, we'll note immediately uh, what we'll have separation on 9 and 10, as well as items 18, 19, and 20, which are going to be recommended as part of the closed session. Are there any other items that members of the board, 13, any other items, 17, any other items, 16, go ahead, Any other items? Well, I'll just start it all of a sudden. Uh, Yeah, 9, 10, to take them in order. 9, 10, 13, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Any other items? Yes, Mayor, I have questions on item 15, please. 15. Any other items? Okay, at this point, then, we'll take a consent motion to act on Items 1 through 8, 11, 12, and 14 as recommended. Alderman Revere, to suspend the rules. So moved. Is there a second? Second. Motion to second on suspension. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. On uh, on uh, 9 and 10, Alderman Revere. Shall we adopt the Oh, uh, wait. We've got to adopt the the motion to adopt, please. Now,
2: I move to adopt agenda items 1 through 8, 11, 12, and
1: 14. Is there a second? A second. Discussion, separation? Seeing none on items 1 through 8, 11, 12, and 14, uh, acted upon as recommended for adoption of these reports, all those in favor, aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. These items have been dispensed with. Now, moving on with the agenda. First, can we have a motion to place 9 and 10 on the table? Or so, filed?
2: At the request of the City Attorney's Office, I move to place the agenda items 9 and 10 on file.
1: Is there a second? second. Thank you. Is there discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Uh, we have an early request to uh, address the uh, board on item 17. Is there any objection? We'll take the uh, uh, early registration at this time. Uh, Mitchell Bray on 17, either opposing or adopt, supporting, uh, wishing to speak.
3: Great. Uh, thank you for hearing me um, and for hearing me early. Um, I read over this resolution and the MOU that it um, lays out as well, and I just noticed a few things that I wanted to make sure and bring to your attention uh, that were a little concerning to me. Um, generally, I do think that uh, the city getting involved in this project and, um, is great, and that, that site um, putting a parking ramp next to uh, what used to be a coal plant makes sense in terms of using that space. Um, since we wouldn't want, you know, like a community garden or something like that in a place that's filled with arsenic and, and you know, old remnants of coal. Um, so, I, you know, I drove by this, and I, I did this site. You probably do every day. I took a look at it, and you just kind of see rolls of cable. Um, but who knows what's been there after years and years of burning coal at this site. And um, the, the couple of things that I want to point out, there's a new whereas. Um the second before the therefore be it resolved. Um, talking about MGE recognizing the importance of municipal uses, um, which doesn't seem to be necessary to me. Um, this is a, you know an action by the Common Council. I'm not sure why we're stating what MGE's position is in that spot. Um, more importantly, the MOU that it instructs um, puts some limits on what the city can do in the Capital East District saying that the city should go to MG&E before any other municipal projects in the area. Um, You know, this is a democracy. You're our representatives. Uh, Madison Gas and Electric is a company um, that's most beholden to its shareholders, so let's not put that company's um, interest above the city's. Um, Also, um, this would give MG&E the right to add uh, PV solar and um, electric vehicle charging stations to the ramp which I think is a great addition um, but I do worry what if mgE doesn't do it so I would suggest that either the city look at doing that themselves or maybe um, place a limitation on that so within the next three years mgE would have the option to do those things that way if they just sit on it like like GM used to sit on patents for electric vehicles you know when you have a monopoly um, you, you act a little differently so maybe make it an option instead of a right or put some sort of a timeline on it, and, um, and then there's the um, soil. So this resolution indemnifies MG&E from anything that is found. So I would just be really careful um, to, you know, indemnify a private company, um, and also to do some testing. It calls for testing in the first two feet of soil. Um, We got to go further down than that to know what's going on, and um, it may be very expensive to clean up this site. Thank you. Uh, Available for questions if you
1: have any. Thank you. Are there any questions of the registrant? If not, thank you very much. Um, That takes us to then item 13, Alderman Revere. Move adoption. Is there a second? Second. Motion is second, Alderman Revere. I didn't request separation on this one
0: wanted to ask staff um, I know it's been made the rounds but will there be a council presentation um, what are the ways that we're gonna like educate the council who hasn't yet seen it all, all the rounds it's been going through or just for their plan I'm just curious hi
4: good evening <coughs> sorry could you um
0: I'm just wanting to know more about how we uh, – the, will there be a special presentation to the council, or what are our plans to – to
4: As far as, like, rollout and sharing the, the strategy? And, yeah. Um, we hadn't talked about a special presentation to council. We did one um, several months ago
0: mm-hmm.
4: um, before the document was complete. Um, we could certainly do another one.
0: I mean, I just think it's such an important thing, really an interesting document that I would enjoy that. I don't know. Others would.
4: I I can work with Lisa to get that. Or you can give us the
0: highlight, like the elevator speech right now, too.
4: Sure. Um, So, I guess a couple of highlights. So, as I think uh, most of you know we've been working on this strategy for quite some time. Um, it started back in 2014, and we did this very deep uh, dive analysis of data. Uh, so we looked at um, you know a wide range of different economic trends in the city, um, tried to discern some you know emerging things that maybe we weren't aware of, um, <clears throat> and you know from that I think you know I think the. I think the prime takeaway from the data is really just that the city is changing. Um, you know, we're becoming younger, much more diverse. Um, virtually all the job growth in the city is in the private sector. Um, you know, I think we used to be a city of, uh, you know, kind of known as a mid-sized college and government town, and we're more and more becoming really a innovation hub um, with um, you know entrepreneurs and small businesses driving our job growth. Uh, And, you know, and this is well documented in many other reports as well, like race to equity, um, but, you know, we have a deep challenge in the city of economic disparities. So, you know, I think those two things, um, again, a lot of detail in the the data analysis, but those two findings really drove a lot of the the strategies and and projects that emerged. Um, Just in terms of the background and outreach, we did um, a couple of really uh, well attended events at Monona Terrace, got a lot of input. We did some community meetings um, around the city. Um, we, as is included as an appendix, we uh, asked a few community members to provide advisory papers. Um, so we did a lot of public outreach. So that was kind of the second input into the process. And then um, the Economic Development Committee spent a lot of time with this and did a lot of work really fine tuning, um, you know. We started with something like I think 10 really broad goals and something like 50 projects, and we sifted and winnowed down to what's in the strategy, which is, um, you know, five pretty broad strategies and then one um, what we call a priority one project for each one. Um, so you know, I think for the foreseeable future, we're really viewing those priority one projects as the focus of implementation. Um, uh, so that's you know that's kind of the genesis of it. Um, I can certainly speak to each of the strategies and projects if you'd like. I don't know how much detail I you One want.
0: kind of follow-up question would be, so the capacity of your um, agency within economic development to kind of – I mean, there's a lot of big ideas here. And so like, I get the priority one. I think the BAT, the business assistant team, is a really – really important step and that could take up a lot of your time. I mean, I recall Matt many times before he had, when he had a smaller staff saying he spent, like, most of his day helping businesses get connected to what they needed to find out. So just wondering if that's sort of still the condition you're facing? And
2: I Yeah, don't... you know, I
4: think the capacity to implement is certainly a challenge. You know, even though we've, you know, winnowed down to a pretty lean strategy, we're still, um, you know, a relatively small division, and there's plenty of, you know, we're already doing a lot of work. So um, I think one of the challenges is how do we take on more. Things like, you know, the the first strategy and the first project, the business assistance team, you know, one advantage there is it's, it's sort of work that we're already doing. Um, so to some degree that one is maybe formalizing work that we're already doing uh, and trying to be a little bit more um, – You know, um, sort of conscientious about it and, um, you know, organized and how we sort of provide that direct one-on-one service to to businesses that come in the door. Um, You know, and then looking at, like, strategy two, which is this concept of uh, development districts, you know, that one is maybe something new. It's arguably potentially something that's more going to have a bigger budget implication to it. Um, one advantage there, however, is if you look at the city's housing strategy and if you look at the Madison in Motion transportation plan, um, you know, those strategies also both landed on something that looks a lot like this idea. Um, you know, in, the, in Madison in Motion, they refer a lot to activity centers. Um, I can't remember what the, the housing strategy's terminology was, but this idea of trying to of concentrate on a few um, sort of specific geographies that we think um, have an opportunity to support redevelopment, and, and kind of trying to target tools and resources towards those areas. Emerge from those uh, planning efforts as well, um, and also the uh, as the comprehensive plan work gets going, um, you know, one of the emphasis uh, starting out has been looking at areas of change. So, you know, I think from a capacity standpoint, one advantage of that project is that it's a collaborative opportunity um, to implement something that really emerged out of several different um, plans and strategies. <clears throat> and then, you know, the, the third um, Priority One project, uh, which is sort of the targeted business retention expansion work, um, there again, to some degree, we're already doing some of this. And again, the, the thought would be to be a little more strategic in how we do it, Um you know, we do do some BRE uh, visits now, uh, but it's a little bit uh, ad hoc. So, the thought here would be to really target on some specific industries and focus our, our BRE work that way. Um, getting into the, the fourth project, which is the idea of building a, um, you know, kind of the business case for uh, long range regional transportation, um, you know, that would. Be a, a major undertaking, um, um, you know, and capacity is certainly an issue there. Um, but again, it, it does seem like it's a priority. Um, you know, I know this has been discussed recently, so um, you know, certainly could be one that we try to lend some some effort behind. And then the and then just to kind of complete the 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 set, the last uh, strategy you've been really focusing on work-based learning opportunities for young people. Um, you know, I think here, again, there's a lot of partnership opportunities. You know, this, and this was something that really emerged from the outreach, that when we asked people what do we need to do to support a strong, inclusive economy, the answer that came back repeatedly was focus on helping, you know, young people, particularly young people of color in the city, find pathways to, to careers and jobs. Um, so, you know, we took that to heart. I, you know, I think conveniently the school district is really kicking off a major effort on this with their Pathways program right now. So I think with this one, the, the path forward for us is, is, is taking leadership from them and saying, okay, how do we help? Um, and that could be helping connect, you know, that program to businesses in town, providing more internships, being more strategic with how we provide internships, things like that. So um, it's a long answer to a short question, but in terms of capacity, you know, I think some of this, some of this is really articulating new initiatives, but a lot of it is really um, projects and strategies where we see a lot of partnership opportunity, both in, internally within the city and with our partners at, you know, MADREP and the Chamber of Commerce and, and other groups. Um, and, you know, we're already starting to really think about at least from the Office of Business Resource standpoint, how does this impact our work plan as we head into 2017? Um, You know, we're now fully staffed within OBR, which certainly helps. Uh, And, um, you know, we're going to do some thinking over the next couple of months about, um, you know, how how does this strategy overlay with our existing set of projects and responsibilities and what can we realistically undertake over the next year or two?
0: Thank you. I guess one final comment is on the new thing, the Madison Development Districts. That's the thing that I've always have, I paid attention to mm. all along. And I just want to make sure that when we're going to go announce something to the Development District, that we do some really good public engagement and outreach so that people don't suddenly go, when did they do that? Are they, you know, like all the kind of worries people have when they hear something, you know, seemingly late in a process. So that seems to me that needs a good outreach strategy. I'm sure you're aware of that. Sure. Thank you for your work on this.
1: Thank you for the discussion. Seeing none, the motion before us is adoption. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Item uh, 15. Alderman Verveer. thank you. Motion and a second on item 15. Alderman Revere. Thank you. I have
2: questions of HR? perhaps to also uh, the finance office, finance department as well. I'll start with uh, Greg and Harper. Thank you. First, you probably are aware that there was an error in our packets and in Legistar that we had the local 311. The summary instead of MPPOA. <laughs> distributed this to the board. I was hoping you could go through them since it's the first time we're seeing the discussion um, since we didn't have this previously. And obviously wages and health insurance are identical to the 311 agreement so we've already covered that last year and the council's of course adopted items related to wages and, and, and health insurance but the rest of it is new to us. So if we could at least just speaking for myself, it would be very helpful if you could go through the balance of your summary beyond the wages and health insurance since
5: sure.
2: this is really a me too.
5: I'm going to let Harper go through because this is the first contract you negotiated for the city.
6: Sure. Congratulations. Um, sure. Thank you. <laughs> um, we got through it. So in regards to the limitation on comp overtime, uh, it's a benefit that uh, they wanted for their members to have in the later years of their service. Um, It moved from, with the 180 hours, that that was originally 150 hours. And for the 80 hours of accrued comp time, that was uh, originally 75 hours. I'll kind of walk through if you have any questions in regards to that. Um, It may be easier for you just to shoot those out, and I'll try to respond. Well,
2: if I could just interject then, Hartford. So then my questions will also be to our finance staff and how this comports with the fiscal note. Because the fiscal note doesn't cover all of these provisions, I don't, um, so I don't know what would be easiest if you want to go through everything first or then have if Laura, Dave, Dave and Laura go, you know, then say what the fiscal impact of each provision is for us and in terms of an estimate, whatever is easiest for all of you.
7: So if you look at the fiscal note, the last paragraph deals with the compensatory overtime conversion. Mm-hmm. It's estimated that um, uh, the effect is going to be minimal, probably around $10,000 in additional costs. Uh, in terms of converting uh, overtime to comp time, it's really just a shift in, in liability. We would pay it anyways. So, In
2: terms of what, at what time we'd pay it. Right. Yeah.
8: Thank you. What did you want
6: to cover next?
2: Why don't you just go through it in order then, please, Harper?
6: In regards to item number four, the probationary officers, the shift differential during field training that's um, really just bringing with the probationary officers, keeping them on pace with their peers while they're going through training. I'm not sure if there's a fiscal note that Schmidike or Laura wanted to touch on. For the special events team, um, they were having difficulty getting folks to sign up for some of those duties, so this is just a way for them to incentivize that. Um, for the exigent personal leave, um, it was important to the members. They previously had three days within a year that they can use. It wasn't being used all that much, but uh, they fought. They wanted to get an extra day, so that the three exigent personal leave days was uh, agreed to... We agreed to move that to four. Um, with their PEP plan, their post-employment health plan, um, other city employees they previously had fifty percent the way that they were set up. Other city employees already had the benefit of uh, transferring one hundred percent of it into the PEP, and now they have that as well.
1: Is there a cost associated with
6: that? It's, 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 there's anything they can know? If, I don't think so, I don't believe so. It was already there. And then, could, Dave, could you please go cover the ones that
2: you didn't weigh in on yet? So going back to item 5.
7: Right, All those are animals. not expected to have any significant effect. So the fiscal effect is minimal on each of them.
2: So you'd say minimal for each of these? And that would be like at least less than $10,000 annually? That's correct. Okay. If you could, um, perhaps... Uh, edit the fiscal note for the council meeting and add the sentence to that effect, it would be helpful.
1: Further questions or discussions?
2: And just lastly, is it, am I correct that the MPPOA membership uh, ratified the contract either unanimously or nearly unanimously?
5: Okay.
6: I didn't get
2: the numbers, yeah. but I it was it went through on Christmas Eve, I believe. Okay, So we don't know what percentage, but no. it was clear, obviously adopted or you yep. won't be here tonight. Okay, thank you gentlemen, thank you for, thank you, especially providing
1: us the correct summary tonight. Further questions or discussion? Seeing none on the question, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Uh, item 16, can we have a motion on the substitute? I'm not familiar with the substitute. Um, it's got one sentence difference.
2: The substitute, which hopefully has the blanks filled in maybe? No, oh, it it's
1: still got one blank i got one copy. Is there a second? Okay. Um, there was there was a blank in there uh, in the uh, uh, on the appropriation, which calls for fifty thousand um, dollars. Reluctantly, I would recommend that it be taken from the contingent reserve. Um, I've been. Trying to figure out another account from which we could take the fifty thousand um, dollars, but it appears that this is the, the really the only place uh, from which we can uh, draw these funds for this purpose. Um, I don't like the the uh, precedent of using contingent reserve, but again. Uh, if we're going to do this and do it right, uh, we're going to have to fund it somehow. Uh, to put this... Uh, yes, Alderman, for I'm
2: oh, sorry. I thought you were complete. If you had more comments. Uh, uh, I, I had a question well, of Mr. time. I do the appropriate have comments time. in
1: general on the whole item, but go ahead. Oh, I
2: didn't mean to be premature. Oh. I, I was simply uh, first appreciating Dave's memo, which reminded us of the, the amendment discussion last November at the council meeting on this topic. Could... I was just curious, is it clearly your recommendation that we use the funding source being the continual Reserve Fund at this time? Uh, I believe that's probably the only source available for this, yes. In other words, given that we're in the first month of the new year, we have no way of knowing if your office will have any unanticipated surplus. Mm -hmm. You're usually very fiscally responsible within your own internal budget. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you.
1: Just just to review this matter, this was recommended in the 2017 operating budget. This $50,000 appropriation was eliminated by a majority vote on the city council. And upon reflection, this is so critical that we get to it immediately. And the fact that we are going to, uh, either in real dollars or in performance, save much more than $50,000. This is just a critical item that needs to be adopted. I've tried to think of of an analogy, and I came up with this, which is it's like driving an automobile on tires that are 30 years old that have 200,000 miles on them. We are going on with a antiquated existing program, it doesn't give us the performance. And financially, in terms of the future, by not making this change, we are risking better service. We are risking greater costs without going out and uh, recognizing the need to make changes in regards to these short term and long term disability programs, so what I would request first is that in the blank contingent reserve be placed, and then secondly the adoption of the of the item. further discussion Alder Alderman Ververer then Alderwoman Eskridge.
2: Thank you I'll move uh, an amendment to uh, state that the $50,000 appropriation uh, be from the contingent reserve front. Is
1: there a second? second. Motion and a second. Discussion? Uh, Alderman Eskridge.
9: Um, I I'm, was really surprised to see this on the agenda since we did have this discussion at, during the budget and it was very clear that It was not the council's direction to move forward at this time. And while I appreciate the memo, and I thought it was very helpful to get some more context to where this was coming from, um, and I very much appreciate that we haven't looked at this in nearly 50 years, Um, and clearly that is an important thing to do, but since we have not looked at this since 1970, it seems to me that it's not an appropriate emergency use to use the contingent reserve for we would have the opportunity in the budget next year to allocate for this. Perhaps if the work has been done to create an RFP and structure uh, a process and the council is brought on board throughout that whole process, we would be in a much better place to allocate the money in the budget, which is the appropriate time to put in money for um, consultation work such as this. So I will not be supporting um, this, and I hope that my colleagues maintain our our vote and our direction as policymakers during the budget process, and also not support this item at this time in this way, particularly.
1: Further discussion on the item? Seeing Aldrin Cheeks.
10: That one's working. Uh, <clears throat> Mayor, uh, just for our benefit, you mentioned that you had uh, sort of struggled with other ways to fund this besides contingent reserve. I wonder if you could describe uh, some of the uh, things that sort of got taken off the table before this came to us. Well, the,
1: the problem is that we are so early into the fiscal year. That's, that's the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I considered uh, the possibility of recommending taking as much as $30,000 out of my own budget and perhaps finding a couple of other major agencies and taking ten thousand dollars from a couple of them uh, as as a mechanism. If we were later into the year, I could have more confidence in that recommendation. Uh, but that was that was pretty much the options was to perhaps take smaller amounts out of every city department to to, to fund this, and I was willing to take dramatically a significant proportion considering the mayor's office is one of the smallest in in the city, uh, to, to take a larger proportion out of our office to dra- dra- dramatize how important this is and why we need to get working on it now. Um, Alderwoman Eskridge and then McKinney.
9: Thank you. I just want to respond to that, Mayor, because that makes sense to me. It seems that if we weren't so immediately following the budget decision where we didn't put funding in the budget for this, we might be at a place nine months from now where you say, we've we've drafted an RFP, we think it's really urgent, we need to move forward, here's the work that's been done, we know we've got budget allocation authority available in these other funding sources, and I feel it's such a pressing measure that I'm bringing it back to you at this time, but it doesn't seem that we're not at that spot yet. So I appreciate that consideration, and I hope you maybe continue to work on it and bring it back to us at such a time that it would be appropriate.
1: Alderman right, McGinney. I recall
11: the extensive uh, discussion that we had around this topic, and my questions are twofold. One is that um, we have not for a while looked at the overall Um, uh, the the work policies, procedures uh, going forward with this department and at some point in time as we're moving our city forward we're going to need to look at uh, something as dramatic as as benefits. I mean that really uh, takes a huge, two things. Number one, um, it supports our staff um, and our employees that we're looking at strategic ways in order to increase their 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 benefits but also that we really do need to begin as we do more proactive budgeting is how we're spending our money what does uh, this department do how is it functioning and and uh, we can shift it off for six months or nine months or whatever, but we really do need to pull it forward and begin to look at that because this is um, employees who are uh, struggling with trying to make ends meet. Um, uh, employees are trying to, you know, juggle increases in, in health care and all of those things. And so looking at out taking uh, having a having an outside consultant, and that's what we've done before, to come in and really look at how we are processing, where can we save money, Um, and we don't know. Um, The mayor has said that there is um, a possibility of tremendous savings. Well, we don't know what those savings are, and uh, it is the responsibility of this body to begin to do some forward-looking, um, when do we put it in, how do we evaluate it, do we shift it off, but actually to look at to see what the what the savings could possibly be. There was healthy discussion around this at our budget meeting, and it was taken out of the budget. I think I was one that supported it, but we really do need to look at, at it rather than passing it on.
1: Over and Romo.
0: maybe missed this during the budget discussion, but it, it didn't really strike me that for over 30 years we haven't changed anything. Is that kind of what this memo is saying? And That's so not kind of I what
1: like, it's saying. It's what it's saying. We are, we are using a plan that was adopted I think in 1975 or 1976. The industry has changed. The need of employees has changed. We have not looked at it for forty years.
0: And now that I'm, I'm a lucky member of the Wisconsin retirement system, every year we are presented with life insurance, all these 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 products, I guess they call them. And so, do we ever contact the employee trust fund to see the things they have? I mean, and if we did, who, what would that be? HR? How, who would have been tracking this?
1: This this subject area is HRs. We have not looked at it. We have come to the conclusion that we should have been looking at it. We should have done this earlier. I'd like to have it done. I think it's important for our employees. It's important for us as an employer. I can't understand in the adoption, of a $300 million budget, why we took out this $150,000 item. It's counterproductive. And I feel very strongly that we have an obligation to our employees and to the people of this city to correct this now.
0: My follow-up question, maybe it's, to um, the body is, we um, adopted an alternate budget proposal to work with to reduce the funds. To, was it ten thousand? And then work with a entity whose name is not that we. Different that we was a different, a different item. item.
1: That was a different yeah, item. Know,
0: we didn't okay, so that was a different thing. Thank you.
1: Further discussion on the question right now. The motion before us is the insertion insertion of contingent reserve in the blank. Is there further discussion? Seeing none on the question on that motion, we'll come to a vote. All those in favor, aye. Opposed, no. And we'll call the roll. No. Chair votes aye. The motion to insert carries. Motion before us is item, uh, what number was this, 15, si- 16, as amended. Discussion on the question. all in clear. I'm trying to recall the
12: discussion that we had during the um, budget process on this particular item, and I'm remembering testimony from the HR director, who unfortunately is not here with us tonight, um, that this is something that they look at on an ongoing basis. And that um, my recollection is he said that there it really doesn't make sense to do a big review when it's something that on an ongoing basis, they're always looking at whether the retirement products that and, and benefit products that, that we offer to employees are competitive, are a um, good deal for both the employees and the city. Uh, am I remembering that correctly? Is there I don't
1: I don't here. think so. My recollection is he said it was overdue. Now, that's, that's my recollection. We can go back and review it. I can remember, at least before that meeting, what happened administratively, which is I became aware of this. I went to the HR director. I said, why are we using an old product? Don't you think we need to update it? The answer was yes. What's the process? The process is, this is a very specialized area. We need outside professional advice on the establishment of a plan. You can't cookie-cutter something like this. It depends on the nature of your workforce. And that's how it was put into the 2017 operating budget, until it was removed uh, by the city council.
12: If I could just follow up on that, have employees uh, expressed concerns that, that they feel like the, the package that's offered is either not competitive or not meeting their needs?
1: Questions have been asked by some as to why we have not, okay. questions have been put this way, I think. Are you giving us the best product available? I'd say that's the way it's put. Okay, thank you. Over in just one final comment on
9: this topic. I think it's completely irresponsible for us to amend our budget and take from the contingent reserve in January of the year that we are starting our budget. So I hope that just simply from a policy and process perspective and fiscal responsibility and management perspective, this is not an action that this board recommends because it's our job to ensure that we are being responsible And being accountable to our budget and to do this is not being accountable to our budget that we passed just a couple months ago
1: I have tried to refrain from using words like that in in hopes to get agreement to get this adopted but since you chose I am going to say unequivocally one of the most irresponsible fiscally disastrous Amendments or actions I have ever seen was taking this $50,000 item out of the 2017 budget. It was nothing short of stupid. It is an item that would have saved money, it is an item that would have given us greater responsibility to the people we serve both in terms of the public and in terms of the employee, and to continue with a 40-year-old plan in an industry that has massively gone undergone changes decade after decade since the mid-1970s. It's, it's just beyond me, other than it was a cheap political stunt. Further discussion on the question? Alderman McKinney.
11: The reason that I take a a deep breath is that um, I am absolutely um, aware that we need to be fiscally uh, accountable. That is our responsibility. That is absolutely our responsibility. I also believe that as a city, it is not... Um, the, the, it should not be the responsibility of employees to come and say, "Have you looked at my employment packet, packets lately?" I think that it is our responsibility to do that, and in doing that, we can we put a lot of different things in our budget. Some of them that could have been pushed out. Some of them. Uh, we move forward. But the one thing that we really do need to begin to look at is the health responsibility of the employees that serve the city. If we are working in uh, corporate America, we have budget packets and they are always looked at it and enhanced. When we're looking at city staff, it seems to be that we can be okay with a 40 year old um, 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 uh, benefits packet. I, I can't understand how that could be. So I don't know where to, I'm not laying responsibility, but it doesn't appear that we've been fiscally responsible if we are still in the year 2017 and the employees of the city are under a benefits package that is 40 years old, that is beyond, that I can't even conceive of that. And so we can use our, um, our, our wordsmithing and throwing back and forth um, these kinds of, of uncomfortable uh, interactions. But the bottom line is, is that we have a benefits package that has not been evaluated in 40 years. And we need to look at that and decide what we're going to do about it. And I don't know how the 50 – my question that I remember asking is, How did we arrive at the $50,000? Is that going to be sufficient? I certainly don't want to say, yes, we voted for $50,000, and all of a sudden it is more than that. So that's a question that I had in my mind, and I asked when we went through the budget process is, how did that $50,000 amount, how do we get to that? And uh, what are we expecting to benefit from spending that dollar amount? $50,000
1: 50000 was determined by the HR director. I don't know if that was reviewed by your office. It was as the amount it would cost uh, for this particular type of study. So they looked at what it would cost within the industry. So it's believed to be an accurate number. Motion before us is adoption as amended. Alderman Cheeks. Is
10: the, is the HR director available to, to be here?
1: I, I'm, he's not here. I don't know if he's off today or not.
10: So th- there's a fair uh, fair amount of discussion uh, and you know, attempts to recall the advice of the city staff. Um, this body is looked to as advisory um, to the rest of the council. I think decisions that we make here carry obviously a tremendous amount of weight by the time it comes to the council. This body has a, um, I think, very healthy habit of um, uh, seeking advice from city staff, and I think it's we're, we're ill-served at this particular moment as we have some references to things that may that we each independently recall having been advised uh, by city staff. And so, and I've already spoken, so I can't make this motion. But I would request um, that we make a motion to postpone this to the next meeting, uh, so that we can have the, the full uh, advice from city staff.
1: Further discussion on the matter. Motion is uh, for adoption. Aldwoman Eskridge. Move referral
9: to the next Board of Evidence mm-hmm. meeting and ask for the HR Director to be present and have a draft of the RFP. Pardon? For future meetings.
1: Is there, first of all, is there a second? Second. Motion there is a second. I'll speak on that motion.
9: Seems to me that. Alder Cheeks spoke to that motion well. I added in the piece about knowing more about exactly what we are requesting because we are authorizing the request for proposals with this financial authorization, so we should know what we are authorizing.
1: Alder Cheeks.
10: Um, uh, Based on the sort of immediate response from uh, Dave, it sounds like it wouldn't be possible to have an RFP. Um, in time for the next meeting. However, as pointed out, this is authorizing an RFP that we haven't seen. Uh, I would ask uh, Alder Eskrich to clarify whether or not she wants this to come back at the next meeting, or if she wants to to come back as soon as the RFP is prepared.
9: I would accept a friendly amendment to uh, say when the RFP is prepared.
1: Motion and a second to amend it to say that when the RFP is prepared. Discussion? Before Alderman Verveer, I just want to make one note. We do not, generally on contracts like this, draft RFPs before we know if we're going forward because of the incredible waste of time that would take place in addition to the delays. If the council wants to let the contract, and approves this, then the RFP will be drafted, and then the RFP can be brought back to the council if you think it's necessary to approve uh, this particular RFP. Alderman Verveer. Thank you. I wanted to ask Dave a question or two on this point.
2: Could you outline for us the amount of work involved in drafting RFP by your purchasing staff? and? HR staff and anybody else and what timeline it would take to to come up with such a draft
7: uh, it'll probably take us uh, you know three weeks to a month to pull it together we probably want to look at uh, RFPs that have been done in other places um, and uh, uh, maybe touch base with um, some of the consultants that are out there uh, about the content of, uh, of a study like this um, So that just takes time to pull um, all that together given that there are also other competing work
2: products uh, RFP developments going on. And and at this point the the resolution is worded such that it says quote evaluate city income protection and life insurance plans and possibly other benefit programs and the memo from yourself and the HR director uh, states that the um, deferred Compensation Committee, the Section 457 Committee is also seeking perhaps a similar evaluation. Do you, is it your information as of now that $50,000 might perhaps cover?
7: I think that's deferred a deferred comp
2: as well, or no?
7: Possibly. Again, that might be a part of our research as
2: well, is if we
7: want to go into that area.
2: Okay. Let me just say that I don't know if I have any further questions, but let me just say, state the obvious and that this is a 15 vote item at the council, whether it be the contingent reserve fund or be amending uh, the budget by taking money from finance, HR, what have you, however we would fund this. So it seems to me that given that it's a 15 vote item, there probably is not support on the council today for this without further information. So as such, I would have to support referral as well to at least our next meeting because I don't see this successfully being adopted in this current
1: form by the Council. Further discussion on the question? All Normal. Thank you.
0: And, and maybe the RFP, you know, the timing would work to, to put them together. But if it doesn't and we want to do it, I would want to make sure that the RFP does come back to the Council. That is not one of those RFPs that, does that oh, always. it says that? Okay. Yeah. When I get things the same day, it's not always easy to absorb all the elements. So, good, the substitute does have the council authorizing, so that that is good. That was my goal with my comments.
1: Okay, the uh, motion before us is the amendment to the referral. On the amendment to the referral discussion, seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Opposed, no. I need more than a two-zero vote. On the question referral, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. We now have the motion to refer before us. Discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. That takes us to the next item. 17. Uh, Is there a motion? Is there a second? That's a motion to adopt the substitute. Is there a second? Thank you. Discussion? Discussion? Alderman Rivera. It would be helpful to have a staff presentation on
2: this. And uh, in particular, as Matt's coming forward, older Person Aaron's, as I think the board knows, but maybe the mayor and staff didn't receive a copy of this on the wall. Person Aaron sent the email to, but explained that there was more recent information regarding the environmental remediation issues that, that wasn't contained necessarily in the substitute. So if Matt, could include that in your presentation.
8: Sure. Good evening, everyone. Um, just uh, by way of background, uh, you may recall that last fall, uh, the Common Council approved a development agreement with Kephart Development American Family Insurance to develop the Spark Cosmos project on the 800 South Block on East Washington Avenue. Part of that project, as you may recall, included the construction of a parking utility-owned parking structure, on a portion of the property uh, that is owned by Madison Gas and Electric currently on the intersection of Livingston and Main Streets. You may recall that when the development agreement was approved last fall that there were a number of items that required further consideration and action on the part of the council uh, before we could proceed with the development. What is before you this evening is a resolution uh, that includes uh, two of those items, Uh, The resolution before you this evening asks you to do two things. The first is to approve the execution of a purchase and sale agreement with Madison Gas and Electric to purchase the property for the Capital East District parking structure. The second is uh, to uh, authorize us to execute a memorandum of understanding uh, with regard to MG&E about future uses within the Capital East District. I'm sorry, future municipal uses within the Capital East District. Just providing a little more background on that item, in our negotiations uh, with Madison Gas and Electric, uh, MGENE was very interested in, in working with the city on, on seeing this project succeed. Uh, you know, those of you that have been involved in the Capital East District over some time may recognize that, that MGENE has, has long been a, a strong voice in, in support of seeing reinvestment within this part of the city. Uh, that being said, though, uh, this is a, a significant change to their operations. Uh, they're going to be giving up a, a portion of their property that they currently use uh, for storage, and they're going to need to find uh, additional accommodations uh, to meet their needs uh, elsewhere within their campus. And so, uh, one of the concerns that MGNI had was that as they are are ramping down uh, some of their uh, uses within the district, uh, they asked uh, that the city uh, not ramp up uh, future municipal uses within the same neighborhood at the same time. Uh, now, MGE fully recognizes that the water utility will continue to, to operate at that location. The uh, Madison Metro will continue to operate its location and possibly expand or, or reinvest in its facility over time. But through this MOU regarding future municipal uses, um, what MGE has, has requested is that in the future, should the city be interested in uh, adding a completely new use within the capital East district, uh, that the city approach MGE first uh, to have a conversation um, about uh, whether or not uh, both parties think that that is really the, the best uh, use for uh, that part of the city in the future. Uh, so that is what, what that item is regarding. With regard uh, uh, to Alder Verveer's question uh, about uh, environmental concerns, Alder Ahrens earlier today uh, forwarded the phase two environmental assessment uh, that was completed for uh, the MG&E property. Uh, This has not changed. Uh, This this is the assessment uh, that we received earlier last year and actually that I forwarded to the council last fall in concert with. Uh, the discussions about the development agreement. Uh, The site is as identified in that report, does have some environmental contamination uh, that will require uh, remediation. Uh, The remediation that the report has identified um, and that the DNR uh, has been made aware of is to effectively use the parking structure as a cap uh, to cap what is there Uh, The materials that are on the site are not inconsistent uh, with what we've seen elsewhere in the Capital East District, such as with the Constellation Project, the Galaxy Project. And in those cases, the buildings have likewise served as a cap. For the soil uh, that will have to be excavated from the site for some of the foundation work, uh, that soil uh, will require landfilling, uh, but it can be landfilled at, at one of our local landfills. Uh, It does not require sort of special uh, uh, care. And uh, uh, that has been incorporated into uh, the estimates of of cost for construction of of this structure. We, uh, through review of the phase two environmental assessment, city engineering determined uh, that uh, some additional testing uh, was desired, especially in the zero to two foot layer of soil with regard to PCBs. Uh, Although what is currently found on the site uh, can be landfilled at a local landfill, if PCBs are discovered, uh, they would need to be landfilled in a specialized landfill outside of the state of Wisconsin, uh, which would increase cost. Uh, PCB testing was done below two feet as part of uh, some of the other testing that was done for this phase two that we already have, Uh, but um, testing was not done in that near surface level uh, so city engineering recommended, and you'll see within this purchase and sale agreement, an agreement to allow us to do some additional testing for PCBs. In addition, the DNR uh, is going to require, um, and uh, we've been in conversations with MG&E and, and the DNR, uh, some uh, additional groundwater testing, and uh, uh, we will do that as well uh, as we complete our due diligence. If, as, as we've identified in the purchase and sale agreement, if we find out, after doing that testing, that, that there are, for example, PCBs and that the cost of remediation will exceed a half million dollars. We do have a provision within this purchase and sale agreement that allows us to back out of the deal. And with that, I opened up for questions. Thank you.
2: Has. Thank you. and that's some follow-up questions, and I'm sure older prisoners will have several on the environmental issues, but I, I do want to start there because that seems to be the most concerning. Can you just... Besides the $500,000 um, provision in the purchase and sale agreement, Matt, uh, that we could um, back out, for lack of a better phrase, if the remediation exceeds a half million dollars, can you also mention, since so you're here at the outset, the $85,000 that MG&E would provide for cleanup that's in the agreement?
8: Sure. So we derived at that number because MG&E realizes that they're currently the owner of the property. And we realize that for the most part, the construction of our garage will be the remediation. It will serve as the cap. So we already know that we're constructing the garage, um, so we're effectively covering that cost. The, the $85,000 uh, that we came to an agreement on is what we estimate it will cost to remove the soil that needs to be removed for uh, foundations and footings and to transport that to a landfill. So effectively, mg agreed that, yes, the city is going to assume some cost to truck some of this f- uh, soil uh, to a landfill, uh, so we will contribute the $85,000 to pay uh, for those expenses.
2: What's the timeline of the additional testing of the surface to two feet level and then additional Groundwater testing—all of which you say engineering is recommending.
8: Yes, um, we have now a consultant under contract. Uh, they've worked on a uh, action plan uh, per uh, the language in the LOI. We are sharing that with MG&E, and uh, ideally in February <laughs> they'll be underway doing that testing.
2: And then, how long will their work take? Um, they begin next
8: month. If memory serves, I think in total. Probably four to six weeks. Um, it'll take you know a week or two to mobilize the firm, a week to do the actual soil samples, and then uh, a few weeks to to get the results tested.
2: And I appreciate your explanation earlier about um, the initial DNR um, opinion in terms of capping and so forth. Uh, and I understand that that was the reason why we did not foresee um, applying for any sort of federal funding to help us with the costs here. Approximately, what would the th- what's the threshold of expense where it's worthwhile asking for assistance with environmental remediation?
8: Um, I, I don't know that there's a specific threshold. Uh, I know that, for example, with the um, 800 north block uh, where Galaxy is currently located, they had a significant plume of petroleum that had to be excavated and, and removed so uh, there were greater costs in, in that instance uh, which uh, so we applied to the EPA and received some EPA funding. I think another consideration though is, is one of timing um, that to apply for some of these federal programs you have to actually have title to the property that worked well in the case of the 800 North Block because we had it under our ownership and we had time to apply and, 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 and remediate the site. In this case, I think it's not only an issue of the cost and in, in not being a significant cost, but also the added timing that to apply for a federal program uh, would, would bring onto the project.
2: About how long was that,
8: would that be? Um, I mean, it, it, it's definitely a few months. I'm, I'm not sure, in this case, I'm really not sure what we would be able to apply to the EPA for, again, given that there isn't significant contamination that needs to be removed offsite.
2: And then I'll just I'll yield in a moment. I just wanted to you already tried to address some of the concerns raised by Mitch Bray in his earlier testimony. Can you speak to um, his assertion that MGE, in essence, has a veto right for any other future city uses on this? land and and additionally the the kind of exclusivity that's in the agreement relating to the EV charging stations? Uh,
8: Sure. Uh, With regard to uh, future municipal uses, um, our MOU uh, indicates that we need to approach MG&E and have a conversation if we are uh, going to be considering inserting a new municipal use within um, the Capital East District, and and from that perspective, you know they they would have uh, some say in in that regard. That being said, there are some important exceptions within that MOU. First and foremost, it recognizes that we will continue to have Metro, we'll continue to have the water utility, we may have uh, a public market at some point in the future. It recognizes, and, and the MOU does not impact any of our, our street infrastructure. So our sewer mains, water mains, uh, you know telecommunications, and also uh, there's a, a clause uh, within the MOU that if if the city identifies that in the interest of, of health safety and general welfare, that a certain uh, uh, item is needed, uh, that effectively that that would overrule. The MOU, uh, so it is not a it is not a sort of set in stone where MG&E can say yes or no. It's it's really the thought behind it is that they would like to have a conversation with us, uh, but ultimately, if, if for health, safety, and welfare of the public, uh, the city needed to do something within the district, uh, we have the right to to waive the MOU language.
2: Thank you. And then the charging stations.
8: Sure. Uh, so, yes, uh, we've – through our negotiations with mg and uh, they were very interested in, in having solar um, and, and charging stations uh, within the structure. Uh, in terms of, of whether or not um, – I, I think the question that was raised earlier was what happens if they don't install them or don't right. install them a timeline. Um, in a timeline – just looking at the language, um, it basically looks like they, return the, they retain the right to install those systems so I suspect uh, at a future date if, if they were not installing them, you know, we would be able to go back and, and basically ask the question, uh, if, if you're not going to install them, can the city go ahead and install them? In other words, it doesn't look like it gives them exclusive right, it just says that it, they retain the right to do so.
2: In our negotiations, I take it we didn't really press the point of the timeline for those items.
8: No. And and again, these were items that they wanted to make sure to include. So, um, you know, they seem to have indicated that there's a desire to to complete these. Strong
2: interest on their part to do Mm -hmm. this. And again, the testimony indicated that they, Mitch was concerned that we were able to do it on our own and contract with someone else if it's not done in a sufficient timeline um,
8: I, I think that's something that I think that's something we should consider as we're drafting the final PSA language admittedly I'm, I'm not an attorney but in reviewing the language that's in the resolution it, it doesn't look like um, it gives them ex- exclusivity Okay.
2: thank you very much appreciate it
8: further
1: discussion on the matter Alderman Arons thank you. Uh,
5: before we get into the environmentalist issues uh, on this issue where um, I think it's uh, paragraph 7 on um, restriction of municipal uses. What do you think they have in mind?
8: I, I think their concern is, is is basically this. So right now uh, they, they've owned this property for, for many decades. It's uh, Centrally located, so it's it's a great location for them. Uh, they're able to store a lot of materials there uh, with and, and, and it's been how they've they've completed their operations for a long time. And so I think their concern is that you know they're they're you know partnering with us to to, to help make uh, this this project happen and and they'll be uh, you know having to shift some of their operations elsewhere to make that happen. I think what they wouldn't want to see is if we, um, I don't know, if, if we decided to develop a new economic development office.
5: How about somewhere. affordable housing? It's non-taxable.
8: I, I don't think affordable housing would be considered a... It says the
5: city will take action they will continue to encourage private taxable development within the Cap East District.
8: Most affordable housing is taxable.
5: But if it's if it a non-profit that is... Um, sponsoring it, we invest in it, it's nonprofit, may not be taxable, and it's within the Capital East District. Do they get to veto it?
8: Um, well, I don't know that that would necessarily fall under the definition of a municipal use.
5: I'm saying what, regard for municipal use, I'm talking about the language here in the third, fourth paragraph that says the city will take actions that will continue to encourage thus, not this.
8: Again, I'm I'm not sure that that would fall under definition of a municipal use. I, th- I think what they're looking at is. Do you think we
5: ought to look at that to see that we're not prohibited? We, we, this is a very big area. This is, um, you know, Blair Street to First Street, Dayton Street to the Capital City Trail. Mm-hmm.
8: Um, we, we can look into that. Yeah.
5: What else do you think they would like to avoid?
8: Again, I think what they would like to avoid is that if the city needed new office space for city purposes that we would construct a new city building for a brand new use that's not in the district today, I think would be of a concern.
5: Can we put a jail in there? Can the county put a jail in there?
8: Well, the, this only applies to the city, Yes. but mm-hmm. if if the city wanted to put a jail, yes, that, that would be one of those uses that would be a concern.
5: Yeah. Or if it's if the city participated in the funding of a jail, if it's the county ran, would that be
8: Yes. Those are the type of uses that would okay. cause concern.
5: Um when was when was this resolution developed?
0: What do you
8: think? So the resolution before you the the language uh, within the resolution is the language that was negotiated with MG&E in the form of a letter of an intent, yes. and that happened over the course of last year and was finalized uh, in the fall, and then that language has formed uh, the narrative language within this resolution.
5: So it was developed after you received the first ESA, two? Yes. And uh, was the ESA two? Was it the same true north that they do the ESA two?
8: I believe it's true north.
5: Yeah. Was it the same um, number of sites, the same depth, the same chemicals that were investigated?
8: It's that's the only environmental study phase two that's been done.
5: This this phase this study is dated January eighteenth
8: of twenty sixteen.
5: Oh. So we got it, had it a year ago. Yes. I see. My mistake on that. How come it wasn't part of the star file?
8: I, I I don't have a specific reason why it wasn't put in Legistar. We can certainly add it to Legistar. Oh, okay.
5: Um, and the ESA-1 also?
8: Yes, we can add that. Okay.
5: Um, so... So this was written after we got this uh, study that um, describes benzene, arsenic, uh, numerous VOCs as all being above uh, threshold levels. Yes. Uh, How did you come up with the cost of $500,000 as being sort of a threshold?
8: Well, uh, again, we we asked ourselves you know, what is really the cost for the city to remediate the site to a condition that the DNR will accept. And, again, that had two elements, uh, capping the site, and then for that soil that needed to be removed to help facilitate the structure, uh, paying to have it hauled off-site. And it, we identified that or estimated the cost uh, to haul the soil off-site would be about 85000 And we, for lack of a better term, sort of estimated that the value of effectively the floor of the garage would be a half million dollars. Obviously, that's a very round number such that what we effectively were asking ourselves is right now we know that the garage will be the cap and we'll have to take some soil Mm off site. So what's the dollar value that if we go above that, it's because there's significant other costs that have now been identified?
5: What's the depth of the garage, the anticipated depth?
8: The garage uh, will be completely above ground. Right. uh, But there will be. Foundation, I should say. We don't know for sure yet. Uh, We have uh, Grafe, our engineering firm, now under contract, and they're doing initial design. A lot depends on whether or not they can do spread footings or if they're going to have to drill. Borings to do greater foundation piles. We just don't know yet for sure.
5: Which do you prefer,
8: spread footings? <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs>
5: um, so why was why was the depth at 16 feet? Why are the testing limited to 16 feet? I assume that this is going to that the foundation for a structure of this size is deeper than 16 feet.
8: It, I don't believe it will be. If, if it's spread footings, if it's spread footings, I believe it's only going to be a few feet. Uh, below the soil um, if if it's if they have to bore pilings um, you know perhaps it would go deeper than sixteen feet but i, I can't speculate on that okay but it, but if it's spread footings it'll be far above
5: why why what do you think m g e's interest was in or is in limiting testing to one to two feet, and only for PCBs. So Is that a red flag for
8: you? Well, so, so, again, they, they've done sampling through the phase two uh, mm-hmm. throughout the property, and they tested for PCBs, but below the two-foot level. Mm-hmm. And so when our engineering staff uh, raised the red flag, the, the concern that they had was that what would likely cause the presence of PCBs on the site is that even though transformers now no -hmm. longer use PCBs, they previously did. And so the concern uh, that City Engineering had was that a likely source of PCB contamination would have been when someone was working on a transformer, if some of uh, the oils that are in that transformer leaked onto the ground, um, that that would have caused some contamination. Again, that's likely going to be in that, that first couple feet right. of soil.
5: Doesn't, it doesn't tend to sink. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
8: So, so that, was, that was the area where city engineering felt that the phase two was lacking and that we needed to do some additional due
5: diligence. Mm-hmm. Do you think, or does, uh, and I guess it would be good to get a discussion with city engineering on this, and that they're, in a way, the closest thing we have to uh, environmental consultant, maybe people from uh, public health. I mean, you you mentioned a number of times of getting DNR approval. Mm -hmm. And my reading of the DNR, and in terms of groundwater particularly, is that they are a very, very unreliable source of environmental protection or satisfaction. Uh, They've been sued repeatedly by the EPA for their failure to protect our groundwater, um, and I don't see why we would rely on certification from that kind of agency as a protection for the people of the city of Madison.
8: Well, first and foremost, uh, the DNR is the regulatory body that ultimately... I'm not saying that they... That, that they. Excuse me. Yeah.
1: Um, I haven't th- kept careful time, but I think you're going... In about 15 minutes.
5: Oh, I didn't know it was time limited.
1: Well, we work on the same rules that the the council works on. I'm sorry. So, okay. I just want to maybe okay. give someone okay. else I'd a like chance to, for a uh, while. Get
5: get some answer to
8: this and, uh, right. and, and
1: I do want to point out you're usually working in January, aren't you? Yes. Uh, thank you.
5: So you're working in January? Yes. Okay.
8: That's vacation. <laughs>
5: Um, so yes, I understand that we have to get a check off from the DNR, mm-hmm. but is there consideration that we might want to go beyond um, uh, their certification and look for uh, a uh, more effective standard and more effective uh, regulation of and effects that the DNR may discount, but we believe is uh, essential.
8: Well, I mean, I'll preface my statement by noting I'm I'm not an engineer, Um, but they did, through the phase two, uh, they did do testing uh, that went down, um, you know, to your point, you know, 16 feet. Uh, Although, you know, there were, uh, they identified uh, matter that was above the threshold level There was nothing that caused significant concern. In other words, compared to the 800 north block where they actually had to physically go in and remove large sections of soil because it was too saturated. It was at at too high of a level that you could just cap. Um, We also have, uh, we will be, through our consultant, uh, doing uh, a couple of groundwater wells at the DNR's request, to do some additional tests to verify uh, that there is nothing in the groundwater that would exceed um, threshold standards. So, so there has been due diligence done uh, with regard to the site.
5: And are those wells done on a continuing basis,
8: um, monitoring wells? I don't believe forever. I believe they'll request two, a series of two different tests. Yeah. So you test, wait a while, test again.
1: Further discussion, Alderman Rommel
0: So, I think Aaron's raises some very, you know, important questions. But they're questions that the Kapalua District has been talking about with regularity for at least six to eight years. I mean, pretty much every development uh, developers look at the soil, look at the water. I mean, it's all, I mean, this is part of the the way we have to deal with things in that corridor and so that corridor all I mean anywhere there's railroads and industrial uses we're going to have that issue in the city of Madison so having said that and appreciate um, the back and forth I just want to point out some things that and well, I want to ask you for your support and I remind you like when I first heard about like the request from MGE to, about the municipal uses I kind of was like what? And I emailed Matt, and we talked about what it was. And when you think about our adopted plans for that area, it is to create an employment center for part of it, and it is to grow the tax base, and it is to grow jobs. And so, you know, they don't want us just to to do what they actually do already, which is not pay real estate taxes on stuff. So, I mean, it would be nice if they would pay too, but they don't. So they get that we don't pay, and and the goal isn't to not pay, you know, to put more city services there. I mean, if you go back to a whole series of um, adopted plans, starting with the East Rail Corridor Advisory Plan, it talks about the uses, and then it goes to the capital build, and, you know. So we've been studying this area and talking about how to grow it as an employment center, and not put city features there, not put back-of-the-house features there, to make it a, a lively place that Main Street will become the downtown. And and this parking structure is kind of the lever. I know we've talked before about how it was sort of a, an unusual way, a new way for us to, to grow uh, this capacity for parking, but this parking structure is the linchpin for all other developments that will come. If we... And no one's saying we shouldn't support it, but you know, if it didn't happen, we wouldn't get American family moving there. We wouldn't get the any of that stuff. So, I mean, we got to do our diligence and hope that this plan, the the sale, and the MOU is protects the city's interests. But for many years, the MG&E was not was not going to sell any land to us, and it wasn't us negotiating with MG&E. It was the Gephardt team, in Because they've been part of, because MGE has been really part of the business communities redevelopment discussions for many, many years. So they had that conversation and came to the city. So I just want to make sure people are aware that MGE has been really, um, you know, trying to be a good player in this um, corridor. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Further discussion on the motion? Seeing none, we'll come to a vote. Alderman Arons?
5: Yeah, I'd like to respond. I understand the um, difference uh, or the difficulties of uh, environmental remediation and development in the uh, Isthmus Corridor, but I think that working on a electrical transmission site uh, for this utility is substantially different. That it that it may involve. Um, many more risks and ongoing risks because the water table is up to six feet here than we have at most other sites. And I think that, uh, I mean, if there is uh, going to be continued uh, further testing prior to uh, concluding the agreement, I answer the agreement can be concluded as late as June 30th, right? Yes. Uh, that if we have estimates of uh, of what the remediation costs are, including unloading this stuff, uh, the purpose here is is not just picking it up. And uh, there are many landfills, and I don't know what the Dane County's landfills uh, uh, policy is on accepting uh, soils with higher than allowable levels of arsenic, benzene, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I know they accept PAHs, but they, for arsenic and benzene and other, I don't know whether they have, um, and maybe you could fill me in on that, uh, whether they have restrictions on that, in which case the costs really balloon. Um, it, certainly if we're taking it out of state or anything like that. So I, I think this really is a um, – Uh, a different uh, beast here, and we're not just getting a Superfund site unloaded to us and then in return we identify uh, the previous owner. Uh, I think we're uh, uh, smarter than that and that we're able in some way to uh, either walk away from it or uh, renegotiate it.
1: Further discussion? Seeing none, we'll come to a vote. All those in favor, Aye no, and we'll call the roll. Six ayes, no, opposed. Motion carries. Uh, the next three items on the agenda... <coughs> are all items which we intend to go into a closed session. However, we do have three registrants, one on 18 and two on 20. And I believe we ought to hear what they may have something to say when we get into a portions of the closed session where there's negotiations. But if they do have anything which they wish to address uh, the board, i prefer we start out in open session so that the, the public is well aware and has the opportunity to to hear any uh, presentations. So if there's no objection, what I'd like to do is start with the registration on 18, then go to the two registrations on 20, and then we'll make the decision about going into a closed session. So our registration on 18 is from Rich Aronson, supporting on the um, Stone, Stone Heart Development
13: Please. Hi. Uh, Rich Arneson from Stonehouse Developments. Uh, we, a uh, uh, developer, we've uh, been doing projects in Madison for some time. This might be our probably eighth or ninth affordable housing project in Madison if we are successful. So it's on Fair Oaks Avenue and uh, we recently received Planning Commission approval. We also received uh uh, funds from the City of Madison's Affordable Housing Initiative in the, uh, for the amount of about a 1350000 And these funds are crucial for the uh, success of this project as are the, the TIF funds. Um, and just uh, quickly, the project involves 80 total units, 68 of them are affordable for families uh, and individuals at 60% or less of county median income. 17 of the 68 affordable units are supportive housing units. Eight of those are targeted towards families – I'm sorry, nine of those are targeted – no, eight, eight are targeted for families uh, that are at risk of being homeless, and they're three-bedroom units, and we've uh, teamed up with the Road Home uh, to provide services for those units. The other units are targeted to, uh, to veterans. Um, so this project will uh, apply for affordable housing tax credits in March – and a, a very competitive process to get these credits, so so uh, these uh, gap financing funds are crucial to the success of the project and it's even even more so this year uh, with a new administration, the industry our little, our, our little niche industry is in a lot of turmoil due to uh, the, the prospect of reduction of corporate tax rates. So invest, the, the uncertainty that is created in the market now with the reduction the p- possible reduction of corporate tax rates has caused investors to flee the market. So there are uh, not as many investors looking for these credits. Um, so every last dollar is going to be crucial, not only in getting a, a successful tax credit application, but in making the project work and having enough money to – uh, be able to complete the project. The, the the amount that that these investors are paying for the credits has just plummeted since uh, the new administration um, took, took hold. So uh, that's really
1: all I had to say. I'd be I'd be happy to answer questions. Rich, first, um, just thank you for staying with with the project. Sure. Um, I was in Washington. I think it was December fifteenth. Uh, meeting with both Treasury officials and HUD officials, and then subsequently um, the U.S. Conference of Mayors, uh, HUD officer, met with HUD officials and Treasury officials as well. And so we're well aware of the destabilization of the value of these credits, uh, and and we certainly hope that there won't be any disruption of any significance. We were able to close uh, on which project was it? That was eminently uh, up right at that time in December. Uh, pardon? Tree Lane. Tree lane. Yeah.
13: So, so and and just not, not to interrupt, but the, uh, the 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 industry uh, if you were if you were in a position to close by before the end of the year, most of the investors were saying, "Hey, we'll still honor yes. our commitments, but if you weren't closing by the end of the year, they they were just kind of gone."
1: Yeah. So. Anyway, we we acknowledge that and we're we're certainly going to work as a team uh, with you and all the other developers uh, who who use uh, uh, low-income housing tax credits. The lawyer in me has got a question for you on another part of your controversy with this project. Sure. There were some criticisms made of the project in regards to its siting and the fact that it might not be in an advantageous area in in regards to air quality. Sure. And the question I've got of you, of your financials backers, everybody connected with the project, how could you take a risk and what have you done to establish whether there is, is or is not a risk at the project site given that if – anything went wrong, certainly folks would come after you in regards to liability. Well, sure. Um, you know, we, we did
13: review this as that information came out. Um, we use an environmental consultant, and we've, we've done a phase one and phase two testing. They're not specifically looking at air quality. I mean, we're mostly concerned about what's happening in the soils. But when that issue came up, we did talk to them about that and then did some research with the various public authorities. So you know, it's kind of a situation where I, they're, as far as you know, we know they're they're in compliance with all appropriate regulatory uh, standards. So I don't know that the onus is on us to to do anything further in that regard. Now, that's kind of the overall, you know, that's where we are. We but we did talk to our architect and the environmental consultant about what what could we do to to mitigate certain things, and there are things we can do. Um, as far as fresh air intake and, and where we locate those vents um, and, and also to mitigate some of the other issues, maybe the, the noise that's coming from that facility. So, you know, granted it, it's not an ideal spot. I mean, I, I think it has a lot of pros. It has that one con, um, but, but the, you know, there have been residential uh, single-family homes in that neighborhood on, on their main, you know, right next to their main facility for years and years and years. Uh, so, it's it's becoming very very difficult to find affordable sites for affordable housing in Madison, and this particular one is affordable, you know, relatively speaking for the for the land, uh, and and the combination of the um, the proximity to the bike path, the Goodman Center location, you know, uh, proximity to downtown, um, it has a lot of things going for it. Uh, so we, we felt the pros outweighed the cons. Thank you. Further
0: questions? Other one, Ronald? Hey, Rich. Um, did you get a chance to read the staff report on the TIF? And
13: I, I, I was not no, we I mean, we were not. report. Well, maybe party I should give you my copy board.
0: because there is a question I have about number four and maybe I will just get up and give it to you so you can,
11: I can
0: do it. and it's basically um, talking about of course now that it's away from me I can't read it but well you I'll let you read it and, and you're the you have much more experience with um, Financing, and you will be able to interpret it.
13: Sure. Um, yeah, I, I just I discussed this with city staff this afternoon. Um, this was the first I have heard about that, and it, it's just a mistake. Wait, what that is. Sure. Okay. Um, it has to do with uh, uh, an assumption that our our bank loan, our proposed uh, first mortgage, was lower than it than it could be, than it, than it should be, or could be, and that the debt coverage ratio. Uh, was 1.53, much higher than standard. So that's simply not the case. Um, The the TIF application uh, specifically requires or or, uh, uh, suggests that the the way that they want the calculation formulated is to do it without respect to property taxes. So I took the property taxes out of the expenses to come up with the bottom line cash flow or debt coverage ratio or net operating income. I mean, that's, what, that's what the, how the TIF application is, is written, is to take those taxes out. So if I take $95,000 out of the expenses, the debt coverage ratio is going to go up. But clearly we're going to pay taxes. So, I, I mean, there's, we're, our debt coverage ratio is at the, at the minimum that it needs to be to do the project. I mean, to, to get a loan, it's, it's at like 1.25 or, or something like that, 1.3. And then with the uh, city funds, it's 1.15 or 1.1. So it's just simply a mistake.
1: Okay, thank you. Further questions? Alderman Revere
2: Thank you. Um, Richard, it's unfortunate I didn't have the chance to read Mr. Grimacki's report, which um, is a public document on the city's website, but it runs six pages, and, and it, it raises a lot of concerns. I presume that you've spoken with Mr. Gramatke about these? No. Several concerns? No. Have not. Well, without not going through that. all of them, I'll just mention two off the top and you can maybe respond, but, but Joe, obviously, is going to be giving us a, um, you know, his report verbally um, uh, tonight as well in answering our questions, states that he's requested additional information from you and you've been unresponsive in terms of the additional information. And then then the other concern that, I mean, there were several here, but the other one that I'd ask you about is he states that there's inconsistency with your application for the affordable housing funds through um, the community development division, and, and so your applications wow. between the two different planning department divisions are inconsistent. Uh, it would have been really helpful to see that report. Right, well, I agree, and I would assume that you had seen the, it before. You, the, if I there are
13: inconsistencies, they're very minor, and I think the one uh, that, that, that may be specifically referred to is the fact that the TIF application, I've taken out the real estate taxes. So, I, I can't respond to anything else, cause I, but, but I've I mean I've, I've reviewed the two applications. They're they're virtually consistent with each other. There are, you know, in these kinds of projects, Mike, that, <clears throat> you know, we're at, we're asked to put together a budget a full 18 months or so before we start construction. We don't really know what our loan size is. We don't know what the, we don't know what construction is going to cost 18 months from now. I mean, so we do the best that we can right now and saying. As a, as a professional developer, this is this is what we think the project's gonna what it's gonna look like. But as far as the inconsistencies between those two applications, no. I mean, they're they should be very similar. Minor inconsistencies on in small line items, but um, uh, you know, we we have offered to meet um, numerous occasions to discuss any issues that were that happen with the application.
2: Um, so, so you don't. In, I think in response to older person or most question you stated that you spoke with Joe today. No, I spoke Program with Mr. Natalie. Oh, With Natalie today. Yes. So, so you're saying you're not aware that that staff has requested additional information from you. Uh, in, in, in essence, the main area that they're asking for additional information about is where you get your some various assumptions relating to recovery I, I, oh, of the deferred uh, developer fees. I have I have received several
13: emails from the TIF staff mm-hmm. asking for information and i responded to those emails i responded to all those emails immediately and answered them to the best of my ability and also offered to meet at virtually any time in person to go over you know any anything that the uh this TIF staff wants to talk about with the application and and that, i was never taken up on that and there, there, i mean from from my side of the stamp uh, of the discussion we've answered all the questions um, but I, I think that you know a lot of this could have been avoided if we had had a chance to meet with, with the TIF staff.
2: I understand and, I, and I, I certainly concur that it would have been helpful if this memo had been shared with you before tonight. I think you now have a full copy of it so you, right, you can uh, look at it rather than get into the weeds. I'll let will stop there. Thank you.
1: Further questions? Seeing none, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay let's go on now. Um, uh, Dave or Kerry, which of you like to go first on on, on 20? Okay, great. Please. Kerry uh, Sanders and Dave Baum on 20. 20. Yes. I think I'm needed for quorum at a meeting of the Joint
2: Southeast Campus Area Committee downstairs, and so if you'll excuse me, I'm just going to run and take leave and see if I'm needed for quorum or not. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.
14: Uh, good evening I'm David Baum and Carrie, as you probably guessed and uh, we're working on the Garver feed mill now here coming up on three years um, we wanted to report that we feel like we're at the one yard line um, there are it's a very complex project both uh, physically and, and financially um, but we have commitments from our leverage lender uh, from our bridge buyer um, from our credit buyer um and we have supplied staff with, that, with those in writing. Um, we, are, we also have a written, commi- a written letter for our new market tax credits for half of the amount that we need. And the last thing that we need in this entire very, very complex capital stack is the last half of the new market tax credits, which is $5 million. Um, we have several people that we're meeting with. We had a very good meeting today uh, that was very uh, optimistic and we're hoping that that will come through very soon. So we're, we're right there. Um, as m- you may know, that Wisconsin uh, was locked out of credits last year, and so that that unfortunately put us behind. And I know that uh, the city is anxious to move this project along. We're very anxious. Uh, we've been pounding this rock hard for three years. Um, there's an incredible amount of uh, work that has gone into it, and money that has gone into it. There's literally, we counted them, north of 100 people that have been involved in this project. Um, and so we have all of our I's dotted, T's crossed. We're looking for one last piece. Uh, we think we know where that's coming from. Uh, we feel it's imminent and wanted to share that news with you here tonight. And does that?
15: Uh... Well, I just want to make a clarification. Um, when you said that Wisconsin was shut out of the credits, he meant the Wisconsin Housing and Economic Development Authority's community development entity. So WIDA is, has credits now. So I yes, want to be clear yeah. about that. But um, I, I would also just like to comment a little bit and make a little distinction between the what I'm seeing in terms of the market for credits. Um, Mr. Arnison was speaking about low-income housing tax credits. We're speaking about new market tax credits. And I just want to share that um, in terms of my work, you know, in terms of getting the term sheets for these buyers, these purchasers of credits. You know, I've been doing this for about 10 years in various capacities. I've never seen a stronger market. So I'm really hoping that it doesn't drop out on the new market side. I mean, I can't predict the future. But right now, term sheets in hand, I have not seen stronger pricing. So,
1: yeah. When we encountered uh, the difficulties in the low-income yeah. housing uh, tax credits, we we also noted that the new market tax credits were, were still strong. And uh, as of today, as of the day after the election, as of the day after the inauguration, um, it still seems that there's no disruption in that market, and hopefully it will remain that way. Um, you described it as being uh, on the one-yard line. You've got, sounds like, six of the seven pieces of the financing in place, Uh, do you have any idea other than saying near term how long it's going to take to go that last yard and get a definitive positive answer uh, into this last piece?
14: One of the groups told us today that they would get back to us within 10 days.
1: Okay. Um, Further questions at this time? Hold, hold I just want
0: you to repeat what you started with, David, because you used phrases that um, us civilians don't really know so well, leveraged, and then you said a whole bunch of things. So I think you were identifying your sources. Could you kind of go through them again so we <laughs> understand better things?
15: Yeah, I'd be happy to go through those. So what we have is um, a piece of commercial debt, commercial real estate debt from a local community bank. We have a commitment letter for $4.3 million for that. Um, in addition, um, David spoke about the actual allocation, which is the going out and getting the investor to, or this community development entity to allocate a portion of their credits to this project. Um, we were seeking, ten, we are seeking $10 million in allocation. We have a commitment for half of that, so we're seeking a, an additional $5 million. And that's what um, David was speaking to when he said, you know, well, one of our CDEs said, come back in 10 days. Um, in addition, uh, we have secured a buyer or an investor for our state and federal historic tax credits uh, and have term sheets for the same, as well as um, we have to seek a bridge loan facility in order to make that um, historic and state and federal historic tax credit equity available to us as a source of funds to the project. So that's the bridge loan that David was speaking of. We have a term sheet for that as well. Um, we have some other you know local sources, of course the 1.8 from the city um, and we have 500,000 from the Idle Industrial Sites grant through the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation. Um, which we've been working diligently to make sure that, yes, that is, of course, secured, but also make sure that it is ready uh, to go into this type of structure.
1: Further questions at this time? If not, thank you both very much. And now, uh, since Alderman Revere is not here, Alderwoman Rummel, you get to read the, uh, the script, and uh, we'll take a motion to go into a closed session afterwards uh, on items 18, 19, and 20. And we like everybody who's not going to sit in the closed session who may be relevant to these items uh, to enjoy themselves in the hallway. I wish we had seating out there. Alderman Rowell
0: Thank you, Mayor. When the Board of Estimates considers the following items, it may go into closed session pursuant to sections 19, 19- .85, Prens 1, Prens E, and 19.85, Prens 1, Prens G, Wisconsin statutes, which read as follows, 19.85, 1E, one e, deliberating or negotiating the purchasing of public properties, the investing of public funds, or conducting other specified business whenever competitive or bargaining reasons require a closed session, 19.85, Prens 1, Prenz G, conferring with legal counsel for the governmental body who is rendering oral or written advice concerning strategy to be adopted by the body with respect to litigation in which it is or likely to become involved. If the Board of Estimates does convene in closed session as described above, upon completion of the closed session, notice is hereby given that it may reconvene in open session to consider the following items with, without waiting 12 hours, pursuant to Wisconsin statute section 19.85, friends 2.
1: Thank you. And I
0: go into closed session.
1: On 18, 19, and 20. And on 18, 19, and 20. Is there a second? Second. Takes a roll call vote. All uh, those in favor, aye. Opposed, no. We'll call the roll. Aye. Five eyes, no no's. We're going to go into closed session. Um, can you folks disconnect the electronics? Okay, we're on. Alderman Revere.
2: Thank you, Mayor. The Board of Estimates uh, has just voted to come back into open session. Uh, so let me uh, give the following report in closed session for Agenda Item 18, the TIF Policy exception to the 55% gateway policy for Stonehouse Developments South Fair Oaks proposal the Board of Estimates voted unanimously to um, not allow an exception to our 55% gateway policy as it relates to agenda item number 19 and 20 the Board of Estimates took no action no formal action.
1: Thank you Alderman Verveer. Is there a motion to adjourn? So moved. Is there a second? Second. All those in favor aye. Aye. Opposed no. Motion carries. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.